nice. Welcome to the Sports Project. To the right of me is our brand new TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I say our brand new TV because now in our podcast room we have uh, a setup which my wife actually did not approve of. But what did she say tonight, Peter? She fucking loved it. Of course she does, because who doesn't love another fucking TV in the room? The only thing I regret is I wish we would have got a 75-inch instead of a 43-inch. It'd be like we're living in it. Oh, well. Anyways, so last week we covered BYU. I may or may not have been a little bit sassy. May have not have had... You were very sassy. Yeah, I may or may not have... You were beyond sassy. Yeah, I may or may not have had a few drinks, but whatever. Yeah, we can't always blame it on that. Yeah. (laughs) So today, Peter and I... We love you, BYU. And I know there's a lot of things going on with you as far as sanctions and all that shit goes. That should be another episode. That should be another episode. But I love you, BYU. Breck, on the other hand, not so much. No, fuck you. (laughs) So again, follow us on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. A few things that we want to cover today. And social media. Social media. Look up the sports project. We'll be there. Promise you. Fucking promise you. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Believe that. Going back to what we want to cover today, we want to cover um, the Cowboys must win mentality. Um, The Cowboys are obviously... I don't know, man. They got a lot going on this season. They ended up beating the Eagles, which was really surprising. Um, thoughts on the University of Utah and their win against Oregon, which is keeping, Big them, win. keeping them in the talks for the Pac-12 uh, South. And then just all soccer or football impressions. Exactly. We got a packed show today. We got a lot to talk about, and let's jump straight into uh, American football and talk about some Cowboys. Both you and I have been shitting hard on the Cowboys. and so hard. Shitting as bad as you have been in your pants. Dude, come on now, dude. Come on, man. They got to know that you The listeners don't need to know that, dude. You can't you're put just, me on blast like you're that. You're fucking disgusting. Okay, I get it. I get it. I made fun of your hips. That doesn't mean you need to put me on blast like that. Now we're going to jump back on topic and talk about the Cowboys. What I said before this douchebag to the left of me rudely interrupted me, the Cowboys, we have been shitting on them on a weekly basis, and we have not been enthusiastic about this season. And I'm still kind of skeptical of this season, but it was a must-win for them. It definitely keeps them in, in the hunt in their division. They still got some catching up to do against the Redskins. But this gives them a leg up against the Eagles. And we all know the Giants aren't doing shit this year. But it keeps it a close race between the Eagles, Cowboys, and the Redskins. I do think... I, I do want to retract my previous statements. I do think that the Cowboys now have an outside-looking-in chance of making it into the playoffs or at least a wild card, um, whereas before I felt like they were just done. Um, but the thing that kind of concerns me is that both Dak and Elliot had a stellar game. You know uh, That concerns you? Well, what what concerns me is that they consistently need to have these stellar games. And what I've seen in week past is I don't know if they're capable of doing that. So it's like one of those things where it's like prove me prove me wrong, right? If you can consistently put up numbers like this, if 
Elliott consistently do 19 carries for 51 yards or Prescott can do 270 for one TD and no no interceptions, then I think the Cowboys, of course, have a chance to win. They have a pretty solid defense. They have a really good defense. And they have weapons. I love the addition of Amari Cooper. It kind of shows that... It kind of shows that Jerry is serious about winning this year and really wants to do something this year. Kind of, I mean, Jerry- I applaud him for that. I applaud him for that. I know you're, I know you're, you're an anti-Jerry fan, and well, yeah, just because we got Amari Cooper doesn't mean we're ready to win games. Like, I agree. I, I agree. don't, I don't think that the players, but it's uh, a step in the right direction, especially uh, for this. Hopefully, year. I mean, I think again, we've talked about it before, shaking up the organization and saying, "Hey, coaches, you're not getting it done. We're providing you the talent." Mm-hmm. Everyone keeps telling me, like even my mom told me, <laughs> Dak Prescott is just a piece of shit. I'm like, <laughs> she say it like that. Yeah, exactly. Piece She's, of shit. A piece of shit. <laughs> and I'm like, it, it's not a Dak Prescott issue. It's a coaching issue on every level. Mm-hmm. Because the dude is athletic. He's proven that he can win, but the Cowboys are not utilizing him the right way. I think. The only time they do is when they're up against the gun, right? And they lose a game, like, uh, the week before the Eagles. And then, like, oh, man, people, need, pe- people yeah. need to get fired. The fucking whole place needs to get burned to the ground or else the Cowboys can't fucking win. And then all of a sudden everyone plays. So, like, this week when they play the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons just lost to the Browns. Yeah, I don't so. even know what to say about that. Yeah, that team is up and down, dude. You know, and yeah, they're up and down. I mean, Matty Ice still did okay for me in fantasy, so whatever. And I'm not mad about it, but the the Falcons, I'm like, well, shit. I don't know what team the Cowboys are going to get. And I think hopefully the Cowboys don't have the mentality after watching film against the Browns that they're going to go in and just fucking kill the Falcons because – uh, Matt Ryan can go off and throw for fucking five TDs, and the Cowboys could look really dumb. And then it's all blamed on the the defense. But then again, the offense doesn't score. Uh, Dak has a shitty game, and you know people just start pointing fingers wherever. So mm-hmm. you know, going back to your point of this is a must win mentality for the Cowboys. I mean, it absolutely is, and it is for like everyone in the organization because when you lose. Everyone knows about it when you're on the Cowboys. Yeah, especially the Cowboys. So for me, the outcome that I came out of this game is, okay, I'm taking taking the Cowboys away from like, okay, they're trash this season. They got nothing going on to the season to, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe they can salvage something. Maybe they can make it in. They can sneak in here and there. But I'm going to reserve my judgment for next week's episode when we find out a little bit more about what's going on between the Cowboys and the Falcons, who wins that game, why they win that game. And ultimately that's going to lead to my decision if this season's going to be trash or not for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the NFC East is always super competitive. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm saying it's the most competitive. And it seems like every year – there's a few teams that are playing the last game of the season for a final playoff spot. The Cowboys always seem to be in there. The Redskins are currently sitting at 6-3, and three, leading the division. But, I mean, really, the Giants could come back and overtake the Redskins. It's just a weird division. How about, how about the Redskins, dude? Shout out to Utah alum Alex Smith for, you know, just hustling out there, dude. Yeah, Straight yeah. up killing it, dude. Mm-hmm. Six and three. That's they're sleeper, dude. Like yeah. I, don't, I feel like no one. I've like 
I'm looking at this now, and I'm like, holy shit, they're in first place. I would have never freaking guessed that. No one talks about the Redskins that way. No, not at all. I mean, the NFL's focus right now is on the fucking Chiefs, which it should be. They're 9-1. and one. Well, and, the Chiefs and the Rams. I feel like that's what everyone talks about is either the Chiefs and the Rams. Or the Saints. Yeah. For me— and, and just like I told you on a few episodes ago, people told us that we were dumb for picking Saints-Chiefs-Super Bowl— and oh yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. It is a very and I think it is a strong possibility. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was week one when the Saints got demolished. No, or maybe that was week no. two. I can't remember, but it was early on. It was definitely early on. And I, I remember one of our listeners like letting me know, like, oh, I just have a lot of strong feelings about the NFL this year. I don't know that the the Saints are all that. It's like, well, what do you think now? I think I think the Saints have, in my book, upgraded to uh, sleeper status to straight up ballers, high high end contenders. And like they, just they signed, could, do, they just signed Brandon Marshall mm-hmm. too, and they did have Des for about like what all of one Three practice <laughs> towards Achilles. But my new sleeper team is the Chicago Browns or the Chicago Ch- Browns. Huh? I'm sorry, who the fuck is that? that? I meant to say the Chicago Bears. Fuck you, Breck. <laughs> the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears. I was thinking of the Browns because they beat the Falcons just barely. Um, but my new sleeper team is the Chicago Bears. And the reason why is because I think they have, and I know this is going to sound really crazy, but hear me out. I think they have a they have a very similar offense to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, do I think they can be as good as the Chiefs? Maybe not, but I think they have that potential. But I, what I do think the Browns have that the Chiefs don't have is a defense. They have a scary-ass defense that could potentially win them games if the offense isn't clicking. You're saying but the Bears do? The Bears, yeah. The Bears. The Bears versus the Chiefs. But where the Bears, what intrigues me about the Bears is that they run a very similar offense as Kansas City does. And in my opinion, I feel like it's only a matter of time before that offense starts clicking and before they start putting up numbers, maybe not like the Chiefs, but equally equally close to the Chiefs because they have all the pieces. They have all the structure there. They have the quarterback. They have the running back. They have the, the wide receivers that that can execute on that game plan. So they have a very similar offense to the Chiefs, and I do think that, holy shit, if this offense eventually ever figures it out, which I think they are figuring it out and they're slowly figuring it out, they're going to be the scariest team in the NFL because of how scary that defense is already. And and let's be honest, I know the sheriff is sitting on the third place in the NFC North, but he is, as we all know, the goddamn sheriff. <laughs> and we didn't even talk about the game that he had a few weeks ago where he fucking put the, again, put the team on his goddamn back and carried him to victory. <laughs> what do you think? The about- goddamn sheriff. <laughs> What do you think about the Rams and the Chiefs game this week on Monday Night Football? I think it's Monday Night Football or something. Yeah, right? I think yeah, it's that, one of the that two. was supposed to be in Mexico City, and now it got moved to yeah, LA. It? Oh, it got moved to LA, so all of a sudden LA because of the field was bad or something like yeah. that. What do you think about that? Who do I think is going to win, or what do I think about that situation? That situation, because for me, all of a sudden LA gets a fucking home game out of it. Well, I think it was supposed. Yeah, that is kind of shitty. Yeah, that's, yeah. 
I have no idea what to think about that. I think it's kind of shitty for the Chiefs. I don't know. Like, was it? it, it is this the NFL? How how should you be handling the situation? I mean, to be honest, like I think they should go through. Like, if it's supposed to be a neutral game for both, I don't know. Like, on the like on the schedule, is it technically considered a home game for the Rams, even though it's being played in Mexico City? Yeah, but it's not like. LA fans are traveling to Mexico. Sure, there's probably some, but this is to gain national recognition for the league. international recognition, I should say, global recognition for the NFL. And all of a sudden, now it's just going to be a home game. Yeah, I think it's shitty. I like, I think the best, and I get, I get it logistically. This probably wouldn't have made sense. And there's a lot of things that were where putting into consideration that the NFL can't make happen through logistical reasons. But my initial thought is, is like, well, why can't you, why can't you do this game in a neutral site city in the U S you know, have it at Denver, have it at X, Y, and Z, you know, figure out a way where you can make it work. And I know that's probably not, that sound, that's probably a logistical nightmare, but that's the only thing I can think of. It doesn't really bother me, and maybe it's because I'm not a Chiefs fan or I'm not a Rams fan, but the reason why it doesn't bother me because I am trying to think of it from that logistical point of view of how big of a nightmare that would be, like literally a week away to find out that the field is not going to be ready to play and you well, need to, and you need to play this game because these are both two nine and one teams. But, but that's what I'm saying is as the NFL, you you think you would understand like where the field is at. You'd have a contingency plan at least, you know, if that right. didn't happen. Right, exactly. And it doesn't seem like the NFL did. So I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting. I, I, super exciting for sure. So who do you think is going to win that game though? Fucking the Chiefs, dude. Okay. Um, I got the Rams for this one. Why? Um, I... Th- I do think that as amazing as the Chiefs have looked, and both you and I have been like, okay, Patty Mahomes is going to come back down to earth, or maybe it's just been me. Patty Mahomes is going to come back down to earth, and he hasn't. Like, he's still hustling out there, and he's still killing it more than he has from week one. Like, the dude is actually growing, which is really rare for someone in his position, someone that's basically this is his first start this year. And... um it is pretty scary to see that, to see his growth and to see how he's picking up the game and picking up the structure of the NFL and how defenses are run. That's pretty scary. But I do think there's going to be a moment in time where he is going to slowly come back down to earth and people and defense coordinators and defenses are going to slowly start figuring out what he likes and what he doesn't like to do. And they're going to pick on that thing that he doesn't like to do. But he does have... And Brack, hear me out. This is a lot for me to say, and this puts me in a really weird spot. He does have the potential to be a sheriff in this <laughs> town. And I'm not saying he's a sheriff right now, because goddammit, no one beats the goddamn sheriff, in my opinion. Um, the true sheriff who lives in Green Bay. Um, but he does have the potential. He does have the arm and the, the shit that he can do just without even being body positioned right to throw the ball and how he can sling the ball like that is very much of a sheriff's mentality, which is in this league is super rare. Um, But with all that said, I do think that their defense is slightly 
not what it was in years past. No, it definitely is not. And I do think that the Rams have a pretty solid defense. I think a lot of the reasons, not like Todd Gurley, uh, Gurley gets a lot of the credit. Goff gets a lot of the credit for the success of the Rams. But I think that defense, that defensive line is definitely, definitely an outlier for why they're doing so good. And the reason for why they're doing so good is because of their defense, in my opinion. So because of that, I'm going to lean on the Rams. I know they've had slight struggles here and there. I'm going to lead on the Rams. I think the Rams are the second best team next to New Orleans, and I will take uh, Kansas City as third best team. Shall we move on to uh, college football? Let's move on, Breck. Okay. How do you feel about them Ducks, homeboy? How do you feel about them Ducks? Play boy? Go ahead, preach on a boy. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's hard, right, because – the Ducks, they've shown their moments of explosiveness. Utah, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't really give Utah a whole lot of credit coming into mm-hmm. the game against Oregon because of Jason Shelley and Armand Shine taking over with um, Tyler Huntley going down against Arizona State with a broken collarbone and then seeing Shelley's performance after he came in. Granted, he didn't get, like, any reps at all. So And the game plan wasn't for him. Yeah, it wasn't it for was him at all. For but, Huntley. Um, and then from there, you know, um, Zach Moss ends up getting hurt trying to get into fucking bed. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, God. Tears his meniscus. So, yeah, I mean, Armand Shine, he's actually, um, a year or two ago, was actually a very strong runner for the Utes. So uh, I'm not surprised he did as well as he as he did because he's proven that he can do that. Zach Moss just kind of overshadowed him. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I think the Ducks, man, they just they don't seem to click right now. And I think a lot of this is, yeah, has dude. to do with Utah taking advantage of their opportunities and you know, for me going into it, Oregon didn't really have a whole lot to play for. I mean, obviously you want to win the game, but the Utes had a lot more to play for, which was leading the Pac-12 South, playing for a chance to get into the Pac-12 title game, which, I mean, they play Colorado this week, who seems to be their kryptonite this time of year. So I'm hoping... And they're that- on a five-game losing streak. Colorado? Colorado but again, I don't feel like that shit matters because... A couple years ago, Utah was all they had to do was fucking beat Colorado, and they would have been in the the Pac-12. That was, that was the first year Utah was in the Pac-12, and they was, was that it that was year? honestly one of those games where it's like this is an easy win for Utah. The uh, Colorado is terrible this year, and this should be an easy W. And nope, it wasn't. But so, but I really liked what Utah did. I mean, they used uh, Jason Shelley's legs and, you know, kept him pretty mobile. And the fact of, you know, they they just kept Oregon's defense guessing who, you know, Oregon's defense has been progressively getting better. But um, I think Utah really challenged them this week. Um, other than that, you know, Armand Shine came out and had that really strong run where he completely ran over one of the Ducks defenders. Oh, dude, that was dope. That was the opening that, play. That that set the tone, mm-hmm. right? And I think it did too. Um, you know, Oregon just couldn't seem to answer. And for me, you know, you know, Oregon is running this pistol offense, and I am just not a fucking fan. Uh, well, why aren't you a fan of it? Is it uh, the the runs are always predictable? Pistol, 
Run up the middle. Straight up the middle. You're going through the one hole or through the three hole, and it's like, okay, great. And that's not that's not Oregon of past. No, no, it's power or you know speed options and RPOs and you know keeping the the defense guessing and using your athleticism to make plays. That wasn't speed, really the case. wasn't it? Speed, I feel speed like, kills. That yeah, was like one of that was Oregon's slogans. motto, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speed kills, and now it's like they just rely on Justin Herbert too much to make the big throws. When really the big throws and big plays that were created in years past were off of those RPOs where they had to respect mm-hmm. the run, and then exactly. receivers are getting open downfield. Now Oregon's getting into predictable passing situations, and it's easy for defenses to sit back and play that. Uh, and Utah's obviously a defense that can do that very well. So um, I, you know, hats off to Utah. Uh, obviously, I would want Oregon to win, but. Now it's all about uh, even Utah fans are Ducks fans this week. They really need Utah to beat Arizona State to knock Arizona State. Oregon to beat Arizona State. That's what I'm saying. They need Oregon to beat Arizona State. And all all that needs to happen is Arizona State needs to lose to Oregon and Utah just needs to win. That's it. Or Oregon could lose to uh, Arizona. Or no, Arizona State could lose to Arizona. Yeah, I mean, and Utah will still get in. Utah's technically ahead because they've already played one extra game. They're technically in first place at five and three in conference. Um, that's because both Arizona and Arizona State have one less game under their belt. They're both at four and three in conference. Yeah. So for me, our, our mind shine was no surprise to me having 174 yards with 20, uh, 26 carries. Absolutely no surprise to me. He's had quite a bit of touches, even with Zach Moss killing it the way he has been. He actually, no. If you look at it, he didn't have a lot of touches going into this game. But you still, you still got to see like his potential. Like ultimately, like what, what I'm trying to say is, what he did was not much of a surprise for me, um, because we got to see enough of a body of work where you got to see him like produce, right? And he was actually instead of him being like, oh, of uh, Instead of him being more of like, oh, we got to get him some touches, it was more so like we got to get him touches because we know he can produce. But the thing that really surprised me was not necessarily Shelly's performance. I felt like he had a performance like that in him. Um, What really surprised me is that Utah really didn't change the offense at all. And kudos to the coaching staff for doing that because they really went into this game where it's like, nope. I know we lost a player. It's got to be a next man up mentality. We lost uh, we lost our quarterback. We're not going to change our offense because of it. He's still going to carry out the exact same offense. He made some good calls as far as pulling the ball and running it, and he also made some good reads as far as throwing the ball. Whereas uh, the week before against Arizona State, he was thrown into it. We knew for a fact he was going to struggle. He had no reps in practice he didn't have quite an understanding of of the offense where now he had an entire week to prepare for that and the play calling itself was matched mm -hmm. up to him yep but again the biggest thing is that they did not change the offense they did not change away from what they were doing from week past or uh from the past whereas if this was if this would have happened a few years ago Utah, Utah's mentality was we lose our quarterback or we lose this 
quote-unquote key player, we're changing our offense. We're going heavy run and depending on the run and not realizing that we need to set up the throw or set up the run to set up the throw and vice versa. Yeah, and you look at it, Jason Shelley didn't even throw for a touchdown, but he was very effective when he needed to throw the 262, ball. 262, 18 of 31, and he had two running TDs, 13 carries for 22 yards. Very effective in the red zone. Most importantly, he did not have any turnovers, and that's all you want from him. He played a perfect game in Utah's eyes, and he needs to continue to play like this, especially next week against Colorado. I know Colorado's on a five-game losing streak. They started up high. They're ending on a low. It's still Colorado. It's still in technically quote-unquote rivalry game. I know the Pac-12 is trying to like push that further and further. But again, it is one of those games that Utah needs to win. And for some reason, Utah does better with their backs against their walls, minus that first year. Um, they do better with their backs against the wall when they need a W. And there's still a part of me that feels like we still got another loss in November, where Utah always tends to shit the bed in November. And for some reason, that's kind of like a reoccurring pattern for Utah. But I do feel like this year's different. I do feel like in years past, they were heavily de- dependent on that defense and creating doing some crazy turnovers here and there to get them that w i do feel like they're more balanced even with armand shine replacing moss and shelly replacing huntley okay how about soccer what a week for football my friend We had a wonderful match set in place for us. We had a derby match in Manchester. Manchester City versus Manchester United. No shocker here. City won. Manchester United is still running in shambles. They are sitting in... What what place are they sitting in? City? uh, City is in first. United is in eighth. And... Yeah, United is not looking good. But right now you got a really good race between one and two. One, two, three, and four. You have Tottenham, 27 points. Chelsea, 28 points. Liverpool, 30 points. Man City with 32 points. And literally like two game, two wins within it, and Tottenham could be in first place. I know it's going to take a bit of a climb for Tottenham, but literally – Literally, if Man City ties and Liverpool wins, there's a new first place. Same with Chelsea. So it's been a very tight race for those four clubs. And even Arsenal starting to pick things up. You know, we talked about from the beginning, like, yeah, Arsenal, new manager, new system, new everything. Um, it's going to take some, some it's going to take some time for them to mesh. They're slowly starting to mesh now. They're slowly starting to pick it up. And I could easily see Arsenal making that big push and, you know, potentially I know you're going to hate this, but replacing Tottenham in that four spot for Yeah, I mean Tottenham had a really good game uh this week against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is I mean, they play hard every single week. Um, I mean, they didn't have Zaha in in the lineup at all. Um, but, you know, Tottenham played well, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they play against Chelsea this week. But Man City, I mean, they're they're just too good, man. Like They're stacked, dude. They're just stacked. Literally everyone just – it's like they've played together their whole entire lives, and they just all became fucking superstars. I mean, to be honest, it's called money. Like, they – it, it 
it costs a lot of money to put this team together. Well, if you want to win. But, if you want to win. You know, I know I know that Liverpool just lost to Red Star Belgrade in Champions League 2-0, I think. And I'm not really worried about that. I think Liverpool still has no losses. They have nine wins and three draws, whereas Man City has 10 wins and two draws with zero losses. I'm not worried about Liverpool at all, even with that crazy loss to a team that they should have demolished. You can even reflect back on it too, like the opening of Champions League you know, City lost to a team that they easily should have beat. And everyone's like, holy shit, what's going on with City? I do think that Liverpool is on the verge of breaking out. You can see Salah is starting to pick up his form. Two goals all, for me in fantasy last yep. week. All those, lost, all those goals that he was missing in previous weeks, he is making now. And so I do think that Liverpool is going to be Liverpool's picking it up, dude. And they're and even so right now, they have zero zero losses in the English Premier League. The top and three I, teams have no losses. And I think Liverpool is only getting better, whereas I feel like we've seen the cap of City, rightfully so. They've been in that system for a few years, same manager as well, Pep. And for me, I think Liverpool's gonna take that top spot here sooner than later, in my opinion. So, for me, at least on the Tottenham side of things, right, going into the Chelsea match. Tottenham-Chelsea, mate. It's going to be exciting, man. Yeah, it's going to be a good Um, game. Tottenham, I feel like, is starting to pick it up. And by that, I mean, like, Eric Lamella is playing really well. Um, Lucas Mora, he's been having a great season overall. And literally, like, the key role players that you typically see, like uh, Deli Alley. I mean, obviously, Harry Kane always has his moments, but it seems like he comes up more so in Champions League. Um, I don't know. It just seems like there's more role players that are stepping up to the plate, and maybe this is something that they can build on. And coming up against Chelsea, uh, dude, Chelsea is just as good as anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were talking about it like a few weeks ago, dude. Chelsea has no losses, and no one's really talking about them. Everyone's talking about City and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like you said, dude, huge game for Tottenham, dude. They they could take away that third spot away from Chelsea. Yeah. And depending, well, I guess it's not depending on what happens. If Liverpool um, were to tie or have a draw and Tottenham I mean, wins, let, I mean, that they're tied for second place. Yeah, well, let's think about this too. Like, Arsenal wins, they're at 27 points. Chelsea loses, they stay at 28. Now you, ha- you literally have like a, a few point swing between five and one. Mm-hmm. So this is, dude, honestly, like, dude, this is what I love, love about the English Premier League is just how close this race is. And now we're starting to see things pick up now that we're at that middle point And now we're starting to see like those challenges. And once we start seeing these teams play each other, example, Tottenham, Chelsea, it's just going to be magic, dude. It's going to be a sight to see. And honestly, this is what makes soccer so enticing. This is why the EPL is so big in the States and why it's continuously growing week to week to week. You wake up in the mornings. I wake up in the mornings. It's a beautiful thing. Everyone should get behind it. It's dude, amazing. I honestly think that if people are not watching soccer right now, 
and you're watching football, like you're really doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Like you can count on, you can always count on how long a game is going to take for you. Yep. You're going to get a lot of drama out of a lot of it. Even if it's a nil, nil match, or even yes. if it's like a one, one draw, yes, like you get, there's, a, there's so much going like leading up to it because if you draw a lot it of a action, hard fought draw, yeah. and maybe someone had a chance to win three points. That could be the difference between first exactly. and fourth place. Exactly, dude. Like wh- every point counts, dude. Even if you get a point draw, like Liverpool a few weeks ago got a point draw, and that really put a damper on their. You know, if they got that win, they would be sitting in first place right now. They'd be at thirty. They would be tied. Actually, no, they no, would be, be tied. Sorry. They'd be tied with Manchester City instead of two points down. So I, I think people really need to get into it. Um, I again, I still understand why people don't because soccer is viewed as a, a pussy sport. It's really not, though, dude. In, in America, yeah, in America. Here's dude. Here's the thing. Every week gets better and better and better. You, like every single game that we watch, the stakes are higher. The drama is better. The intensity is well, is built up. With like, like, oh my god, dude, it's with, incredible. Uh, with playoffs for MLS, I mean, it's not it's not the same standard of soccer that we're used to watching I, for Premier League, but it's still exciting I, because you know what's on oh, the yeah. line. Like, I mean, even too, like our local team, Real Salt Lake, losing. I think they lost four two. But you easily, two. you easily could have made the case that they should have won that game. You easily could have made the case that, like, hey, the ref. Missed a call here and there, and they missed some golden opportunities. Golden, fucking golden. Yeah. And 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 a part of it, yes, I blame the ref. There's some elements where like the ref kind of blew the call. They gave uh, KC a penalty, which really wasn't a penalty at all. He basically flopped because he he lost his touch on the ball. Needless to say, as you know, I watch MLS. Once you. It, if you're someone that's trying to get into soccer, I know this is like the advocacy for soccer or football. This podcast, I feel like it has become that. We're not even sponsors of the English Premier League. We should probably get paid by them for how much positivity we're giving, throwing their way. But even if you're not, even if you're like looking into get, getting into it, you know, even if you've dabbled if, if with the MLS. A, if you're just a dude that wants to have a reason to watch another sport, Give it a oh, shot. Dude. Oh, you're going to fucking love it. Because but, I guarantee, like, people, it's no different than how many people watched uh, World Cup. All of a sudden, everyone cares about yeah, World Cup, yeah. even when the U.S. isn't yeah. in it. Like, Premier League is, and it's, is very awesome. You know, it's slightly different, too. Like, when you see Champions League or when you see EPL or even some of the other leagues, like the La Liga and all that stuff, so, Bundesliga, it's, it has a different feel to it. It has a different touch to it. The quality is still there. The passion's still there. But as far as, like, the way the game is played is slightly different from league to league. Yeah, and we can touch on uh, Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Oh, my, oh my God. Little backstory. I grew up in St. Augustine, Germany. I lived there for four years. So from an early age, I developed a love for Bayern Munich. My twin brother, who shall not be named, grew up loving Dortmund. So we both him and I had this huge... Yeah. (laughs) You're an an idiot. Both him and I had a huge love for those two teams, and we had a huge rivalry building up between them. And I will tell you right here, right now, 
I don't care what you say. That those two teams, Dortmund versus uh, Bayern, is one of the biggest rivalries in sports. Period. It ha- it is. It is so much of a blue-collar versus white-collar mentality. It is very much of a two different philosophies, a team that buys a lot of their players and grows them that way, or and a team that literally doesn't spend a lot of money and grows players that way. You even have Marco Royce, a hometown hero, who put in two goals for Dortmund, um, who had the opportunity to leave as much, leave to any club he want and totally cash out, but he decides to stay. And then you have the fan bases that both represent Bayern and Dortmund, which are world-class fan bases, which are unlike anything you'll ever see in your entire life. I can vouch for that. A few years ago, I saw Bayern versus Dortmund at Bayern, and it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire life. But what made this game ultimately one of the best games this year, I was telling you, this was probably one of the best games I've ever seen this year, is the fact that both of these teams literally were going for it. Oh, yeah. It, no, one was, this is, no one was holding back. So we were watching that we were watching that Manchester-Liverpool game, and you can tell, you can tell back. both teams were not playing to lose. Both teams... Gave no fucks and we're like, okay, we're going for the win. We want to beat this team. And that is what a rivalry is all about. Both these teams don't like each other. They don't want to tie. They want to beat each other. Yep. And I was watching this this game in between the Tottenham Crystal Palace game and, you know, watching that cross into the box. I, I don't know. It was just so back and forth, dude. And it, they were both going on the attacks. Both teams were going on the attacks. And it was just such a swing between one, like 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. You know, 15 minutes of this part of the game, Bayern had, like, was in control, dominating the entire game. You for sure thought Bayern was going to win. Then the next 15 minutes, or even at, before, after halftime, Dortmund comes out strong, comes out blazing and puts a few in that you know Bayern started off the scoring in the 26th minute um it's in the 49th minute Marco Roy scores and then Bayern takes or Bayern uh, Bayern takes the lead back and then it's just honestly like so back and forth Bayern scores Dortmund scores Bayern scores again you think Bayern has the advantage Bayern's gonna put it away no Dortmund comes back it was so back and forth. There was so much action between these two teams because their mentality was we're going for it. I know even if they had the lead, they were not going defensive mentality. They were going for it. They wanted to, to not only beat this team but embarrass this team. And it was a huge game for both teams. The fact that Dortmund won gave Dortmund a seven-point lead against Bayern which is crazy it was such an important game for the both of them and it was a must-win game for Bayern and it was a must-win game for Dortmund to get that seven-point lead in the standings in the Bundesliga amazing match dude I can't like I'm still dude literally got goosebumps just thinking about this match 
if you want to get into soccer, watch that game. Honestly, like it is one of the best rivalries in sports, period. Um, I might be a little bit biased on that because I grew up loving Bayern. I grew up hating Dortmund, and I got to see that rivalry firsthand. It was honestly one of the best matches of soccer I've seen all year. And again, can't say enough about it. What are your thoughts, bro? I know you saw a little bit here and there because you're watching Tottenham. Yeah, I, I mean, you could feel the energy. It was it was super exciting. Like again, it's more so understanding where the teams are at in the game, and then understanding how much time is left, and understanding, hey, this is a rivalry. So, again, with it going back and forth, it was really it, it was exciting to watch. Like secondhandedly, obviously, Tottenham took precedence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but one thing that I want to touch on is you know how easy it is for people to actually watch these types of games. Easy. This game was on FS2, which if you pay for any sort of fucking TV, you, you can have. watch. You can watch these games, and w- I, I think people don't know that, right? And I think that's why soccer doesn't have what it potentially. Uh, not soccer. Could have. Soccer is football. MLS. Football is your football. Yeah. Um, same thing with Premier League. Like, if you were wanting to watch the Tottenham uh, Chelsea game this weekend, it's going to be on on fucking KSL here in Utah, Channel Five, NBC. Fucking ten thirty in the morning, Mountain Standard Time, and you know, for example, if we want to see, let's see, Bundesliga. For that, there's matches on Friday, there's matches on Saturday, and you can see uh, Bayern will be playing at seven thirty in the morning. Hoffenheim, same thing. Borussia Dortmund, same time, and then a few other games throughout the day. So like. Um, the Italian League is on ESPN Plus. If you want to pay five dollars a month, you can watch that. If you want to watch Champions League, it's, it's always t- on. It's, it's ten. It's, yeah, it's, you can watch it's like on, on TNT, TNT, TBS, everywhere. But even if you want to play for uh, pay for Bleacher Report Live, it's every game for ten dollars for Europa and UEFA, or for sorry for UEFA and uh, Europa League and Champions League. Yeah. So they're, they're, what I'm trying to Ex- say is there's options to you, watch. Especially the English Premier League. It is and, – and to be honest, like if you're a fan of American football, watch a game right before you watch American football, right before you watch that 11 a.m. Yeah, game. It'll only take about an hour and a half to two hours to watch. And and the, there, there's going to be a game that starts right at like 10. Yeah. And – there's an early game and and to be honest like especially nowadays like we talked about this before on the podcast all these games are so accessible to us especially the english premier league like they basically show every single game in american channels nbc sports and, yeah. and then the the 10 o'clock game 10 30 game will always be on nbc and what's local channel and what's becoming more and more present too is just like how the growth of Champions League as well too stateside, you know the fact that like TBS has it, TNT has all these early rounds. You can watch all these early rounds, my, these group my stages. Only, my only beef with fucking Champions League is that it's like on a fucking Tuesday during work, and I'm like, Come but they gotta they gotta fit that around the schedule yeah. of the league play. Yeah. But also the point that I wanted to make to like even even Bundesliga is starting to become accessible stateside. Now I know you're gonna mainly get to see Bayern and Dortmund, um, but even so, like it's becoming more and more accessible. You can actually watch 
the the Bundesliga. I think they have like a contract with like FS1, with Fox, Fox Sports. Yeah. Um, but regardless, too, like it's becoming accessible and more so right now. The, the English Premier League, you can I shit you not, literally watch every single game um, that's out there. Stateside, my friend. Stateside. So with that being said, please just watch more soccer. I guarantee if you give it a chance, you'll actually find that you like it. And I don't care if you think you're a pussy for doing so. I promise you not. I promise you're not. You're probably just a pussy anyway. So, (laughs) Okay, Breck. Okay, let's not call the listeners pussies. Sorry, you're... Listener, uh, you are not a pussy. If anything, Breck is a pussy. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Pete. So, um, any closing thoughts? I do want to end on one thing. Um, A few days ago, we lost a legend in Stan Lee. I know Stan Lee has nothing to do with sports, um, but comics are very important into my life. We even gave you a Dark Knight quote, which is a comic book adaptation of a movie for a movie. Um, even though I'm not a big fan of Marvel, I do respect everything that Stanley has done for pop culture and what he has done for culture in general. And I do want to leave you guys off with this quote that Stanley gave in 1968 hopefully this puts it into perspective this was during the peak of the civil war movement so again puts really civil puts war in 1968 yeah this really puts it into perspective of what civil this rights civil civil, civil rights Jeez, God. sorry it's i'm not i'm not i'm not on my a game right now i think because breck's a piece of shit um <laughs> but yes during the peak of a civil rights movement um, he made this quote, which was really shows you the sight of character of this individual and really shows you what he believed in, even though it wasn't popular to believe in this. Uh, so this is a quote that he made. Let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are amongst the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costume superheroes, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap with a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evil they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who will hate blindly, fascistly, and indiscriminately. It 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 if. If his hang-ups is a black man, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If for some foreigner beats him to a job, he's all down on foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he'll never know, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Hopefully, the quote goes on further and further, but we won't have to jump into that much further. If you want to look it up, look it up. But this really shows you the sight of character that this individual had in that moment in time and for him to continuously believe in that. A lot of his superheroes were created because of the things that were going on in our society and in our lives at that time and even now. So we have lost a legend. I know he was 95. It was, you know, only a matter of time, but he was a very important figure within pop culture. He was a very important figure within a lot of people's lives, and he will ever be missed. Okay, everyone. Again, find us on 
iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Look for us on Instagram at The Sports Project. Um, any way that you can help share the podcast, see if anyone would like it, please like share that out. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't even know what episode this is. I want to say 17. Yeah, 17 or 18, somewhere around there. We'll, we'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, too. Who gives and homework. Watch English Premier League. You will not regret it. Tottenham versus Chelsea. Yes, let's go. Peter Meach signing out. Breck Snyder signing out. Breck Snyder is a piece of shit. Amen. <laughs> hey.